And so, last week we kind of looked at this, uh, this idea of this song that is based off of called Hallelujah, which Leonard Cohen wrote, and how he had this perception of the word hallelujah as being uh, this acceptance of how life is. And so in the middle of this, there's things that happen that shake our, shake our world. Uh, and last week we looked at Noah, and we realized that there's things that we bring into our life that shake our world. Actions that have repercussions that shake our world. And today we're going to look at a man named Abraham, and we're going to look at how sometimes things are thrown into our life that shake our world that are beyond our control. But let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. I pray this morning, God, that you would just be with us as we journey through your word, that you would continue to challenge our hearts, challenge our lives. Uh, more importantly, God, help us to stay focused on you and all that you've called us to do. God, when your promises seem like they're so far away, Lord, that you would bring us right to the point of those. Uh, Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you're doing. We ask that your anointing flow this morning, God, as you begin to speak to hearts and lives, challenging everyone exactly where we are. We love you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know, um, but I imagine if I ask everybody, if you've ever had something that's happened in your life that's shaking your faith, uh, I believe everybody would respond with yes. Everybody has had something happen in their life that is shaking their faith. Um, this year would be 10 years ago that I remember something coming into our lives that really, really shook my faith. Um, in May, I was standing in, in a Walmart, and I remember getting a call from my sister that my uncle was on the way to the hospital, and, and we just didn't, really couldn't gather much, but we knew that he had shot himself. And, and I remember standing there in that moment and just processing what had just happened. And all these emotions began to go through my mind. Like I, I was angry at the situation. I was sad. I was hurt. And, and all these things were just thrown into our lives, my whole family at this moment. Um, Whenever we got the news that he had passed away, we were really left with more questions than answers. We didn't know why things had happened. Uh, he was a good Christian man. So what would lead him to this point? He was a good father. He was a good husband, you know. And, and we were left with all these questions. And in the middle of our lives, something had been thrown into it that had just kind of broken things. And it had shaken our worldview and really had shaken our faith that was within us. And so in the middle of these questions, I realized that God had inserted a broken hallelujah in our life. That what I thought life was supposed to look like now looked completely different. And we can accept most things happen in our life. But we can't accept things that shake the way we see life. Like I can accept, I can accept driving down the road and seeing a homeless person doesn't mean that I don't have any empathy before the, for the person. But if that homeless person was me, it would be hard for me to accept that, right? Because we can look at life and go, that's just the way life is. But when life happens to us, it becomes a little more difficult to process. And today that's what I want us to focus on is how there's things that are thrown into our life, whether it be from God or just the reaction of life. That shake the way we see things. It shakes the way our life is unfolding. But also me what God intends to teach us out of those moments. You know, in the Bible we encounter a man who experienced that very thing. A man named Abraham. And we find in Hebrews chapter 11, which is what this all is based off, this whole series, 
is that he's the only one who's mentioned twice. Right? All this list of amazing people in the faith. And he is mentioned twice. And so when we think about Abraham, I know to me he's always been this picture of what faith looks like. Right? That's why he's mentioned twice in the book of Hebrews. It's because he is to us what faith actually looks like. That when God says go, he goes. And when God says stay, he stays. And he just does whatever he feels called to do. But I cannot imagine having the desire to have children and then not be able to have them. Like from a young age, like that's what I wanted was children. And in the custom that Abraham was growing up in, it was a shame if you were a man and you didn't have children. And so Abraham is wrestling all this stuff. And so in the midst of all this, we meet Abraham when he's 75 years old. He's still living amongst his parents at 75 years old, and God calls him to something. And so this 75-year-old man is called by God, but God doesn't just call him. He begins to offer him some things in return for his calling. God offers him three promises. He promises to give him his own land, which as a man was a, was a big step. God promised to make him into a great nation, which I imagine shook things a little bit for him because he didn't even have children yet. And then God promised a blessing upon him and all of his descendants. And so if you can imagine, 75-year-old Abraham gets a call from God that he's just to pick up and leave where, where he's been his whole life without any plan of where he's going to go, but to pick everything up and go, and that God was going to lay these blessings upon him. I know I would have follow-up questions to God. I would go, okay, God, let me, let's just get some things straight real quick. Where do you want me to go? All right, how do you want me to get there? All right, I understand you're going to bless me with a bunch of kids, but I don't even have one yet. You know? And I would have all these follow-up questions, but we see that Abraham literally just gets up and goes where God has called him to do. And that was difficult because families didn't just separate hundreds of miles apart as Abraham was about to do. Families lived close to each other. They didn't have cars. You couldn't drive to each other. This faith that he shows in the beginning of his life that we encounter is actually the first thing that's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. He's commended for his faith to go where he didn't even know where he was supposed to be uh, and trust God in that whole process. When we find Abraham leaving, we find that he was living in a in really an office, an awful religious system that they were known for their pagan worship in the city that his family lived in. And seemingly Abraham was one of few Christians if, or any godly people in the midst of all of this. They actually worshipped um, the god of the moon, which name was Sin. And so I find it ironic that the one who would come and restore us from a life of sin came from the very man who left a life of sin on a blessing that he didn't even know was going to happen. Abraham set forth in motion things that were set even today, our history the way it is. And even as Christians, our roadmap for what we're to do. And so Abraham promised the son from God, began to go on this journey to do that. And so God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child. Uh, Abraham became impatient in that process. And Abraham decided to take things in his own hand, even at the urging of his wife. And so he took one of the handmaids and and they had a child together, a son named Ishmael. And we know that, that that led to issues in the future, but that wasn't a part of God's plan. And I think this, the thing that I struggle with, and, and I know that you may struggle with as well, is knowing that God's told me something, but being patient to wait for it to come true, right? Abraham knew God was going to bless him. 
But he didn't know when that was going to happen. And that's difficult, right? Like, I'm impatient to do anything, especially if I know it's something good, right? If God tells me, I'm going to do something great in your life, it's going to be, it's going to be hard for me to stand back and allow that to happen. But, but Abraham, in all that we know him for his faith, became impatient and decided, I'm going to take things into my own hands, and, and I'm going to have a son like God promised. I'm just going to do it the way that I want to do it. And that son actually turned out to be a curse that would plague even today our culture. So that wasn't God's plan for them. And finally, at the age of 100, Abraham has a child. His name is Isaac. Isaac's name means laughter because when God shared with Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a child, she being 90, him being 100, they laughed at God. And so God says, if you want to laugh about it, why don't you have a son? And his name will be laughter, right? And so they have a son. His name is laughter, laugh. And so Isaac is their son. And, and, and I, when I was reading this story, I was thinking, how many times does God really get the last laugh in our situations, right? And so they have some. And so Genesis 22, if you want to turn with me there, tells the story of Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. And so that's kind of the lead into who Abraham is. And it's important to know the backstory because a man who has waited all these years for a child is now about to be faced with something that's going to really shake his faith. Um, when we get into this, it's going to talk about his son Isaac. Uh, just know that Isaac is somewhere in his mid to late 20s when this happens, okay? He's not a little child. He's, it takes a little bit of faith on his part too. So uh, Genesis 22, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place for which uh, God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and, and he took in his, in his hand the fire and the knife, and they went, and, and both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, My father, and he said, Here I am, son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. And when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order to bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out with his hand and took the knife to slaughter, slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay a hand on, your boy, on the boy and do anything to him. For now I know the fear of God, you, that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of this place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, right? As it is said to this day, on the mount of which the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your son I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. 
and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So talk about something being thrown into your life. Abraham awaited 100 years to have a child. He had waited 25 years from when God promised him that he was going to bless him with a child until the birth of the child. And then you move that even forward as God, uh, as probably another 25 years later, imagine the investment that Abraham has into this promise. And to know that in the middle of all this, God is going to throw a wrench into the plans that is about to unfold. That would be difficult. It would be difficult now, and I haven't had the investment in a promise like God has, but if God came to me and said, I need you to sacrifice your son, that would be the one time disobedience might be the first thing that comes to mind, right? Because I would go, I don't even want to do this. And we read this story, Abraham never once seems to ever hesitate on the outside. He grabs the knife, he's holding the knife, and finally the angel intervenes, and it seems like he is prepared to uh, sacrifice a son in that moment. Now we find the motivation behind it when we read Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said. And this is them quoting I, uh, Abraham, and through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And he considered that God was able to raise him back from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did not receive him back. And so Abraham had so much confidence in the promises of God that he believed if he sacrificed his son, that God was going to raise him back from the dead. That's how much belief and faith he had in the promises of God. That's difficult to process. Like I, I understand what faith is. But having faith to the point that I believe God's promises, even if I seemingly break them, will still come true. That's tough to process. And so Abraham, undoubtedly shaken by this command of God, knew that God's promises were not going to be broken and that God would raise his son from the dead in order to meet the promises that he had. And that's what faith in the middle of a broken hallelujah looks like. And it's faith in the middle of that broken hallelujah that I do not have. When God throws something into my life, my faith is shaken sometimes to points that I don't know that it's even repairable. When some tragedy happens in life, I'm not thinking about the promises of God. A lot of times I'm asking God why. I'm questioning why God did things. I am not the picture of what Abraham is. But I think that the story really illustrates to us how we react in the middle of a broken hallelujah when things are thrown into our lives. I think the first thing that we learn is that these unexpected broken hallelujahs remind us of God's faithfulness. Now I know last week we talked about this very same thing as the faithfulness of God and how His faithfulness is not dependent on our faithfulness, thankfully. Uh, and you're going to find that how we overcome these situations will be repetitive every week, is that faith is ultimately the only way that we overcome this. Right? The, Hebrew, uh, the writer of Hebrews said that faith is the substance of things hoped for, meaning in the middle of things that I hope for, the only thing I can grasp is my faith. Like Abraham learned this. If I'm to kill my son as God has told me to do, the only thing I can physically grab a hold of in this moment is my faith. And so faith is this thing we hope for in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of circumstances that we don't understand. 
Abraham could take his son Isaac up to Mount Moriah because he knew God was faithful to keep his promises. Not because he was so faithful that he could do whatever God asked him. He knew that God was faithful to keep his promises. Abraham's faith wasn't blind. His faith was settled assurance and trust in the one who had proven himself faithful and true. Abraham leaned on the experiences he's had in the past where God freed him and his family from being captives, where God took a man from a land that he was familiar with to uncharted territories and still causing to prosper, that God took a man who could never have a child and at the age of 100 gave him a child in the middle of laughter. Abraham was able to look at how God had been faithful in his past and he knew that the faithfulness of God would continue even when the promises seemed like they were shaken a little bit. If we were to look back at our own lives, I wonder, would we see the hand of God's providence all over it? Would we look back at situations and know, man, God had that the whole time. I've learned in the middle of a storm, I can't see as clear as I can when I'm on the other side. Like when I go through something, I don't understand it in the moment, but if I'll just look back when I get on the other side, I begin to see how God orchestrated every single thing. In the middle of whatever you're facing, The most important thing you can do is reflect back on how faithful God's been to you in the past. The time the doctor gave you a bad report and you're like, I don't even know how I'm going to get through this. And and you did get through it and you knew that God worked a miracle. And so the next time you face a doctor, you're okay because you know God has already settled that in the past. Or the time that you had this fracture in a relationship and, and you didn't know why it even happened or where it was going to be fixed, but you saw God do some miraculous things in it, and there was reconciliation. And so the next time that something happened, you were able to look back because God's faithful. The things that happen in our life are only to continue to propel us towards God's promises. And when something is thrown into our life that shakes the promises of God, the only solution we have is to look back at the faithfulness of God. That we know that He proves faithful even when we don't understand it. That He proves faithful even when I'm the most unfaithful of His people. That God always remains faithful. See, I I always expect God to appear to me in this burning bush experience or that God's going to part the water in front of my life. But the truth is that God doesn't always use those things to do it. God typically screams and shouts to the circumstances of our life. Like, we know those stories because they're great to share. We know those stories because we can learn them as a kid. But if we were to survey the whole Bible, we find that God very rarely speaks through moments like that. He would actually speak through the circumstances of people's life. Even when God was physically on this earth in the embodiment of Jesus, he didn't do amazing miracles that demonstrated who he was. He went to a woman at the well and began to speak through the circumstances she was facing. He went to a party where they were mourning his best friend Lazarus. And and even though something miraculous happened, he used that to speak through the circumstances they were facing. God doesn't waste the issues that we go through as nothing. God uses those to speak to our life. In this moment that you're facing some kind of brokenness in your life, you have to tune your attention to God because I can assure you he's trying to speak to you in this moment. He wants you to know something. He wants you to hear something. He wants you to see how good he really is. Sometimes it may seem that way, but Abraham's life is evidence that God always proves faithful in our past and in our future. 
See, Abraham's story is not one that was always a man who was faithful. As a matter of fact, we see Abraham twice lie about his wife being his sister. Right? Two times he lied about his wife being his sister. Now in Alabama, that's acceptable. But in Jewish, time, Jewish times, they'd have been like wife, sister, same thing. But in Jewish times, you know, you didn't marry your sister. You know, culture hadn't advanced to the way it is in Alabama. And so twice he lied about Sarah being his wife. He was impatient waiting for his son, so he decided that he was just going to have a son with someone else. And now Ishmael, who is the father of what we know Islam to be today, we still pay for the mistake of that. So you have that. And though known for his faith, Abraham had lapses in his faithfulness and his proof that God is not dependent to be faithful on us because we're faithful to him. That the very character and nature of God is faithfulness. And that's great. Because if God's faithfulness was dependent upon me, he would be a very unfaithful God. Because my impatience would bog it down. My lack of trust would bog it down. My not being able to see it, how he is trying to present it to me, it would all bog it down. But God is not uh, dependent on our faithfulness for him to be faithful. It's why in the middle of these broken hallelujahs that are thrown into our life, we're reminded of God's faithfulness. And the encouraging part of this story is that God remains faithful to his promises. We have this really neat picture in, in Genesis chapter 15. If you get a chance to read it, it's, it's rather long. Um, but God is, is actually fixing to lay out some of his promises in detail to Abraham. And you can imagine the God of the universe speaking promises into your life. There's going to be some doubt. Not, not doubt that he couldn't do it, but doubt that he would do it. And so God does something that's customary in a Jewish wedding. He begins to perform it with Abraham. Uh, 15 to 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. The pieces that it's talking about is there had been some animals that had been split apart. And so in a Jewish wedding, like if my wife and I got married, we would hold hands and we would walk through the middle of these two carcasses that had been split apart. Uh, that sets up a great honeymoon, I think. And, and we would walk through these. And the premise behind it is that, hey, you keep your end of the deal. I'll keep my end of the deal. If we both do that, we'll have a whole animal. That was the premise of it. And so God, speaking these promises into the life of Abraham, splits these carcasses apart. And what I just read to you is God walking through these carcasses together. He's basically saying, you have no end to keep on these promises. They're mine. And because they're God's promises, he remains faithful to those. And so he didn't walk through there with Abraham and go, all right, you keep your end of the deal. I'll keep mine. If not, then this isn't going to work out. He said, no, no, I'll keep both ends of the deal because I'm faithful and we'll get through this together. And that's the beautiful thing of what God does even in our life today. When God makes a promise, it's not dependent upon me keeping my end of the deal. God doesn't come to me and go, all right, I'm going to bless you with this. But in order for me to do that, now you have to make sure you're doing this. If God promises something, God's faithfulness gets us through that and to that. And so God made this covenant with Abraham in this moment that was not dependent upon his reaction, nor are his promises today dependent upon our reaction. Now there was a covenant that God made with us where he split and broke a body apart, and that was his son Jesus Christ. And in that covenant, he said, if you just call out my name, I'll come to your rescue. No, there's not anything that you have to do special, nothing you have to keep. If you just call my name out, I'll come to your rescue. 
God has always been faithful to the covenants that He forms with us, and He remains faithful even in the broken things thrown into our life. God is faithful. And God used this broken hallelujah in Abraham's life as a reminder of His faithfulness. When, when my uncle's death rocked our world, we, we were left with so many questions. But I will tell you that there was one thing that rose to the top of my understanding, and it was this, that God is faithful. I don't know why God does what he does. I could be, I would speculate if I gave you reasons. But I can tell you something without any speculation, is that God is faithful. That he loves us whenever we seem unlovable, that he cares for us when no one else cares for us. And even in tragedy, he's the first one on the scene to wrap us in his arms. That God is faithful. I don't know anything else about it, but I know that to be true. The hurt um, it still exists. The pain is still real. But if God says a wall is going to fall, then I know that a wall is going to fall. If God says that a promotion is coming, I know that a promotion is coming. If God says that he's going to restore a relationship, I know that he's going to do it. If God says the health scare is not going to harm, then I know that it's not going to harm because God is faithful. And God's faithful to his promises. And sometimes the only way we know to trust it is for it to be the only thing there is to trust. Abraham had nothing else to grasp when he's holding the knife up over his son other than the promise of God's faithfulness. And I will tell you, in the middle of brokenness, there is nothing to grasp onto. People abandon you. Family members abandon you. Your emotions are unstable. And in the middle of tragedy, the only thing that there is to grasp onto is the hope of God. The faithfulness that He fulfills His promises. And today, I hope that's an encouraging thing to you. That no matter what you're going through, as much as it may have shaken your life in this moment... Know this, that God will hold you through it because he's faithful to his promises. If we disobey God, we still face the repercussions of what disobedience brings, but we do not have to face a broken faithfulness with God. So don't let this broken hallelujah be anything more than that because God loves you and God wants you in his plan. Broken hallelujahs hurt and they bring on pain, but God remains faithful. And so hear me when I say this, do not give up on God and do not stop trusting God in the middle of brokenness. The second thing that I learned from the story is that unexpected broken hallelujahs remind us of a future hope, right? Anytime something tragic or dark happens in our life, it always points to a future hope. The Old Testament story of Abraham is the basis of the New Testament teaching that we have on atonement and sacrificial offering of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. I want to give you some comparisons of the two. Jesus said many centuries later, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it, was, he saw it and was glad. So here's some parallels between these two stories. God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac. And Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God said, go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there. And we know Moriah to be a mountain in Jerusalem where it was built, where Jesus was crucified outside of the city walls. God said, sacrifice him there on a burnt offering. 
And Paul said, Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And Jesus took the, the wood of our sin, carrying his own cross. This is my, my favorite one. Every time I read this story, this one always sticks out. Isaac looks at Abraham and he says, But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And John the Baptist said when Jesus walked on the scene, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isaac, the son, acted in obedience to his father, becoming the sacrifice, and Jesus prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Resurrection-wise, we just read in Hebrews that Abraham believed figuratively that God would raise Isaac from the dead should he sacrifice him. And we know that Jesus was buried and cruci he was crucified and buried and was raised again on the third day, according to Scripture. See, this broken hallelujah moment was really God pointing to a great future that was to come. And because of Christ, we too have a greater future hope. When tragedy happens or something comes into our life that begins to break us, the only thing that we can draw hope from is knowing that there's a better day that's coming. See, brokenness only reminds us of sin. Before a believer, it also reminds us of a future hope. Jesus said in the midst of all these rumors that he was about to be killed, and he was. He was days away from being killed. He looked to his disciples and he said, let not your hearts be troubled. What amazing words, right? That God looked at them in their brokenness. Their leader was about to die. And God looked at him and said, I know that you're going to be alone and you're going to be scared. And you think everybody's going to come after you. And, and I see all this coming. But don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And, and here's the the encouraging thing we get from this verse. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. My brokenness reminds me that I'm not broken forever. Like Abraham had that assurance. I may be broken in the moment, but I'm not broken forever. Today you may feel like you're at rock bottom and go, no, no, I'm, I'm broken. But can I tell you that you're not broken forever? Jesus comes to the rescue. He may not come to the rescue the way you see it, the way you hope it. He may not be the picture of what you think is going to happen. But I can promise you, based on the faithfulness throughout all the scripture, that Jesus is going to come to your rescue. Whether it be in this lifetime or in eternity, He will come to your rescue. When Jesus comes to our rescue, we refer to that as salvation, right? Matter of fact, we even read it in scriptures, look to the hills from where your salvation comes. And we know that according to our Christian beliefs that it was on those hills that we look to help from. Our salvation was pouring his blood out for our sins. So we look in glory knowing that our salvation is coming in our brokenness. And Jesus comes to us and he justifies our past and he sanctifies our presence, present and he offers glory in our future. And we realize in that moment that this broken hallelujah is just a piece of a greater story that God wants to tell about our life. 
to what had been thrown into your life today is just a testimony you're going to share tomorrow. Because you've been an overcomer. And you overcome through the word of your testimony. It does not define you, but offers you a moment. Uh, it offers you a moment in this morning that we have to know that God is going to prove himself faithful. He says that anyone who calls upon him will be saved. And there's no requirements to his faithfulness. There's no, you keep your end of the deal, I'll keep my end of the deal. He says, anyone who calls on my name for help, I'll come to their rescue. I don't care how broken they think they are. They may say, no, I'm shattered in so many pieces, you can never put me back together. He can, and he does, because his faithfulness has proven it time and time again. There's been some of the most hideous people in Hebrews chapter 11. Next week, we'll look at Moses. Moses really was kind of an awful man, but really, he's a man of faith. He was a human being. He was a broken man that God put the pieces back together and used him for a greater purpose. And whether you think your life is shattered beyond repair or not, I can tell you this with complete confidence, that God can take who you are and turn you into the person he's called you to be. But you have to ask for help. He doesn't intrude in our lives, but he comes to our running rescue whenever we call for him. Jesus hung on a cross so that if any of us could come to him, or so that any of us could come to him despite our brokenness and despite our story. And if you're here this morning and you haven't, called to Jesus for help, I can tell you that hope is just to call away. That hope is just to scream and to shout away. That the circumstances you face are Jesus screaming into your life saying, you need me and I want to come to you. That he wants to redeem the very person you are. He wants to put the shattered pieces back together and he wants to see you live out a life in pursuit of his will. And if you're a Christian, you don't belong in a broken state any longer because God is wanting to tell you something through your brokenness right now. He wants to tell you how faithful he really is. He wants to tell you that his promise still stands. He wants you to know that whatever he's told you he's going to do, he's going to do. No matter if a Red Sea comes in front of you, he'll just part it. If a wall gets struck, uh, put up in front of you, he'll just break it down. If some army comes towards you that seems insurmountable, he will take them out. Because God's promises always come true because of his faithfulness. And if you're a Christian here this morning, that's the hope that we have. It's the substance of what we hope for. It's the faith that we hold on to in the middle of tragedy, knowing that God has something greater in store. That God's faithfulness never runs out. Don't let this thing thrown into your life break you, but let it be a part of the story you tell others. Let it be a part of this broken person who now has a testimony of a broken hallelujah that didn't define their life, but propelled them to God's calling. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning for who you are, your faithfulness, God, your love, your grace, your mercy that you've given to our lives that even though we don't deserve it, you insert it in our lives. God, this morning I'm so thankful that you call us despite of our failures, despite our disobedience, that it's not dependent upon us for your faithfulness. And so this morning, God, I ask that you begin to speak to each and every person here. God, the person here who's come this morning without that hope. God, the person who's come this morning without any kind of hope for a future of reconciliation. God, that they're in their brokenness with no plan to put the pieces back together. But today, God, you're screaming through their circumstances that you're here to rescue them. 
And so today, God, I pray that you would begin to work in their heart, God, that they would feel that urging inside of them to call out your name. God, that they would feel the surrender need to look to the hills for help. God, I pray for the Christian here this morning who thought that the broken thing thrown into their life was meant to wreck their life. But God, this morning, you would remind them that it's just to prove your faithfulness, that your story is still intact and your promises still remain. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you that chance if you're here this morning and you say, I'm broken beyond repair. I want to give you that chance this morning to realize that you're not broken beyond the hands of Christ. That he hung on a cross for your very life so that in the midst of questions and concerns and circumstances that seem like they're going to wreck you, that he, came to, that he could come to your rescue. This morning, apart from him, there is no hope. But in him, the hopelessness vanishes as he restores your life. If that's you, I want to give you that chance this morning to come to the altar. There's nothing special about it. It's the sacrifice of your pride to say, I don't care what people think. I just want to be at the foot of the cross as he restores my life. If that's you, the altar is open. And Christian, for you, the altar is open as well. If you feel like tragedy has shaken your life beyond repair, that you'll know that God wants to speak through you to the, through this moment. That God wants to prove his faithfulness to you. That he wants to make sure you know the promises still remain. This morning the altar is open for all of you.